1: Here on the North Shore Drive podcast, we're going to talk about PFF grades, about Deontay Johnson, the Steelers receivers, and what's actually going on with the Steelers offense in the passing game and how they need to fix things. We'll talk about that. Also, the defense is the pass rush the problem versus some of the coverage assignments that they've had. And finally, we'll look at the Steelers draft position right now, because as I say, it's very interesting, but it could be subject to change based on how they finished this season and there could be a little bit higher picks than people anticipated we'll talk about all of that here on the north shore drive podcast from the pittsburgh post-gazette i'm your host chris carter joined today by adam bittner let's get into it you are now listening to the north shore drive podcast a show on all things pittsburgh sports from the writers of the pittsburgh post-gazette hosted by christopher carter Welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm Chris Carter. He's Adam Bittner. We are of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and this is the Wednesday edition of the show. Before Thanksgiving, remember, you can find this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and especially YouTube. Like this video if you saw it on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get our Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes, as well as the daily content that comes out on this channel on all things Pittsburgh sports from our writers and and, uh, editors at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Adam, how you doing, man? You getting ready for Thanksgiving?
2: I am. My girlfriend and I just got a Switch. I was up late playing some Mario Kart last night. Um, You got a Switch.
1: I like that.
2: Yeah, so it was having fun, looking
1: forward to more hijinks like that uh, through the rest of the weekend. I feel you, man. I'm more of a PlayStation guy, but I do get down with some Smash. Uh, But let's talk about the Steelers and what's going on. Uh, with Deontay Johnson now, Mike Tomlin addressed the Deontay Johnson situation. People, people asking why isn't he getting more targets? He's the highest paid player in the offense. He's, you know, he has, he's making eighteen million dollars, and this is a guy who was supposed to be a, uh, you know, a fixing point, a fixer for for uh, for for Kenny Pickett, a guy who gets open enough to for Kenny Pickett to target. Uh, and Mike Tomlin talked about, well, you know, teams are scheming to take him away because he's the one Pro Bowler in the receiving core right now, and I think that there's some merit to that, but. Adam, you often take, take, a, take a close look at the PFF grades. What has been your, the, the things that you've seen as far as Deontay Johnson's uh, lack of production?
2: Well, I think the problem with, you know, kind of that explanation is mm-hmm. that if you look at the PFF grades, Deontay Johnson's uh, numbers immediately went down when Kenny Pickett entered the mm-hmm. fray. Um, mm-hmm. He was put, still putting up not sensational numbers, you know, not like top five receiver in the league grades every week. Um, when Mitch Trubisky was quarterback, but they were solid and they were what you expect from him. Um, and then that immediately changed as soon as Kenny Pickett was inserted into the lineup. So that's a problem, right? If, if you can point to the production he's had for his entire career in Pittsburgh and you can point to what it was with Mitch Trubisky, what's the, what's the factor that changed? It's the quarterback. Um, and you know, you're in a better place to explain on film what's happening. But just in the stats, it's very clear that that Kenny Pickett is the issue. There was even a like kind of a little bit of an uptick um, when Mitch Trubisky played against Tampa Bay. That was one of um you know, of the games after Kenny Pickett became the starter or the Jets game that he came in, of all those games, the Tampa Bay game is his best. Because Mitch Trubisky played in that game. So there was, there was something that was there, there was something there with Mitch Trubisky and Deontay Johnson that's not there with Kenny Pickett and Deontay Johnson. Um the other Kind of concerning stats that you see is that his average depth of target is is actually at his highest of his career at ten point five yards. Um, normally that's, that's a that's, normally that's a good thing for receivers, right? right if, if still- you want you want them to be making more plays downfield? That's a sign of explosiveness for most guys. Um, the problem with Deontay Johnson is that he's been such a precise route runner for his entire career that it's actually seemed to hurt him because he's not getting the yards after the catch that he used to get. He's getting less than half of what his career average is. I think his career average is around 4.8 or maybe it's 4.3, but it's over four. Mm-hmm. The number this year is 1.8. So it's less than half of what his career number is. So those are just, he's not not been the receiver that he's always been. Um, so it's not just a matter of teams are taking him away. It's 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 a matter of he's a different guy statistically. and And that is an issue for a guy who's making that much money.
1: It is, and I think this is part of the question that you have when you have a rookie quarterback, who, you know, when you're you're who's still trying to figure out an offense that doesn't have an identity right now, uh, and I think it's forming an identity to be a running team. The the offensive line's gotten better. Najee Harris has been getting more yards uh, consistently over the past few weeks. They've they've averaged over 130, I think 139.2 yards. Of rushing yards per game over the last four games whereas they were averaging like 86 yards the first six games so that's been better but still with that like kenny pickett still isn't seeing the field well enough to be able to work in a complicated offense to to kind of distribute the ball between four guys and i think that's part of the problem that deontay johnson is going through i think there's sometimes the teams are taking him away but i also think part of it is kenny pickett isn't seeing him uh you know there was a pass where and this wasn't deontay johnson specifically but there was a pass where um, You know, uh, Kenny Pickett threw a, a, a ball to Zach Gentry in the end, in the end zone when he was kind of triple covered, and it wasn't a great look. But if you look to the left side of the field, Connor Hayward was just, like, wide open in the end zone. He didn't see him. I think Deontay Johnson goes through that a lot, and you see that in his body language when you look at the All-22 and you watch him, how he kind of reacts to a play when he kind of got open and didn't get his look. And that stuff's frustrating. We saw the George Pickens with Mitch Trubisky, and it's kind of funny. We've seen George George Pickens rise up in production, under Kenny Pickett, uh, when he was really low with Trubisky and the, and the, the, the opposite was happening with Deontay Johnson, uh, you know, with, with you know, with Trubisky to, to Kenny Pickett. So I, I do think that there's merit to what Tomlin's saying, but I also think there's merit to the idea that Deontay Johnson hasn't played well. Um, it's, it's also, I also feel kind of weird about Deontay Johnson because this is a guy who came in, came into a team. He was expected to be kind of a, a rug cutter, a guy who's going to, who's going to get open a lot and work with, you know ben roethlisberger really well and then ben roethlisberger his first year gets hurt and he's not able to and he's not able to play so he has to work with mason mason uh rudolph and devlin hodges the 2020 comes in and he's there but ben and ben roethlisberger connects with him a good a good bit but then you then ben's arm kind of weakens throughout the year and, and deontay johnson's number drops and then last year of course was old man ben and now he's dealing with Mitch Trubisky and, and uh uh kenny pickett and i i I think that Deontay Johnson still gets open playing. Like ESPN did a whole stat that he's the most open wide receiver in the NFL right now. It's just, I think that's part of the thing when you look at those stats, It that to me shows Deontay Johnson is doing something right, but it's just not enough in an offense that's struggling so much to be consistent throwing the ball.
2: Yeah, that's not, I mean, I, I think it's both of them, right? It, that's that's where the issue is. The connection is not there, and there's two ends of a connection, and you got to work on it. and And I think that's that's the issue is they have, for whatever reason, they either haven't or haven't had the chance to kind of get on the same page in the way he was, you know, Deontay Johnson was with, with Mitch Trubisky. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not just one of them. It's both of them, and maybe part of it's Kenny Pickett's development. Um, you know, but, but maybe it's also just doesn't feel as comfortable with him. And that happens with, with some, you know, quarterback and receiver combos from time to time. They're not always, what well, we saw that with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown yeah. at times, um, especially toward the end, they weren't on the same page and that contributed to their relationship deteriorating. It was one of many factors, but it was, it was one of them. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so that's, that's, I think that's the issue and it's gotta be resolved if, you know, both of them are going to be here. They're not going anywhere. They got to work on that, you know, in the off season, so that maybe you go into 2023 and maybe you're starting to have the relationship that a
1: lot of people thought was going to happen naturally this year. Absolutely. Just also a reminder, we are brought to you by the Akershire Fan Advantage, the power to project one of our because it Steelers beat writers into your home or office. Using augmented reality, you can get an exclusive pregame breakdown from a Steelers expert standing in your living room. Get the latest insights on starting lineups, key matchups, and critical stats at post-gazette.com slash Akershire Fan Advantage. No after download, just insider access to Steeler updates at post-gazette.com slash Fan Advantage. to get a real edge on this week's action. Adam, am I crazy for saying that Deontay Johnson, even though he's not getting the, the yards, though, I think this team still kind of needs him here over the next few years to kind of be that veteran receiver presence. Who, whenever Kenny Pickett does start figuring out, he can be part. He can be part of the system here.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're at the point where you want to start talking about making different personnel decisions with these two guys. I think it's just a matter you got to get better, and 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 you know that this is part of the the transition. Right? Is it's it's not going to. It's not going to look how, you know, you want it to look immediately. These things take time. It's not just um, Kenny Pickett and Deontay Johnson that are having an issue. It's just the one that I chose to highlight this week because I, I think it's pretty glaring. And, and just, just the immediate drop-off when Kenny Pickett entered, I thought was pretty interesting. Um, you know, because I, I think it, sometimes we tend to think of players, how did they play through the whole season without, you know, what what changed? And I think that was an example of a switch-flipping. And, and, and so that was just something I chose to highlight. And that doesn't mean that they can't fix it. It doesn't mean that they're not good players. It just means that they're not they're not on the same page right now. And and that's evident in the stats. And, um, you know, I, I think that's A. And then B, you know, like I, there's, there's merit to what Mike Tomlin says, that, yeah, teams feel like they can give more attention to Deontay Johnson because of the status of the Steelers personnel. And I think there's a lot of merit to that in terms of the quality of players. And the only way you can address that is, Right in the draft, or maybe they sign someone in the offseason to take some pressure off Deontay Johnson and maybe that helps. But I think I think both things can be true.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk about the defense in a little bit here on, on the uh, North Shore Drive podcast. Um, because I think that that's where um that that's where a lot of people also was hoping the Steelers could step up against the Bengals. it did earlier in the season it did not on sunday we'll talk about what went wrong there and what we're seeing as far as the defense and what their makeup is but first we gotta talk to you guys about liquid death liquid death of course is the ultimate water spring a mountain water spring brand that you can get right out of a tall boy can when you look at when you look at liquid death it's called liquid death because it's here to murder your thirst and it's here to murder plastic pollution on the planet because they do- donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to kill plastic pollution on the planet. And it looks like a tall boy can of beer, but it's really just a, a can that looks like a Miller Lite that just has ice cold water. When you pull it right out of your fridge or your cooler, it's an awesome, it's an awesome drink. I've had a bunch of them. I've drank, I've drank them. It's refreshing water. And what it does is because it's in a can, it's avoiding that plastic residue that you often get it with, with, with bottled water whenever you're drinking that. So go get some liquid death right now. You have a lot of different ways to get it. You can go to Target you go to a local county fair, you can go to 7 Eleven, or if you want to find where liquid death is near you, go to liquiddeath.com slash shore to find your to, to use their retail their retail searcher, and you can find wherever they wherever store sells liquid death. Again, that's liquiddeath.com slash shore to find liquid death on the shelves. Also, Brought to you by Valley Pool and Spa. Wouldn't it be nice with the holidays were stress-free? A hot tub, a swim spa, or a sauna from Valley Pool and Spa will help you feel like it is. Relax and soak in a hot tub or a swim spa from Valley Pool and Spa before the snow flies. Refresh rejuvenate in a Finlayo sauna that is sure to melt your stress away faster than the frosty in Aruba. Save big now on all in-stock hot tubs and swim spas by visiting ValleypoolSpa.com. That's ValleypoolSpa.com for all your spas and saunas as, the, as we approach the holidays. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. I'm Chris Carter. He's Adam Bittner. We talked a bit about the offense and the receiving game, but let's also talk about the defense because right now, this defense um it's doing some things right. It's defending the run well. And I think we can see that. Um the, the Steelers aren't leading the NFL in sacks. Granted, that I think that you know missing TJ Watt kind of does that for, for a while. Um, but you look at what this defense is in in this past game, I the way I assessed it, Adam, was it wasn't necessarily, you know, the, the, the big names that let it like TJ Watt didn't let the team down. I don't think Alex Highsmith let the team down or cam Hayward or even make Fitzpatrick. But I think it was a lot of the, the ways that the role players were set up in this game that kind of set the Steelers up. The Steelers right now rank uh what fifth worst in pass defense in the NFL a, a total defense right now um, in pass defense, they're, they're dead last as far as how many yards they're allowing, but in run defense, they're the seventh best team in, in team in the league. When you look at the PFF grades, and Adam, what's st- what stuff are you seeing that the steel that is hurting the Steelers the most in this area?
2: Well, you know, it, it changes sometimes, right? It, not every game is the same. Teams attack the Steelers differently. I think in this game, uh, what I like about PFF grades is is challenging what I thought I saw. And 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 you know, when I watch the game live, and because I watch on TV, you're in the stadium, you can see the whole field. At home, I don't get you know. I can't see the whole field, so it felt to me very much like the pass rush was struggling, which has been a consistent theme while TJ Watt's been out. Is that it hasn't been what it's supposed to be, and that that's created problems on the back end. So it was very easy for me to say in this Bengals game that that game followed the same pattern: was they weren't getting home, and that exposed what the you know the guys who were just not that great in the secondary. Um, In reality, you know when the PFF grades came out. TJ Watt, like you said, did really well. Cam Hayward did really well. Um, Alex Highsmith was decent. He was fine. Um, he's what how Alex Highsmith is supposed to be is kind of your like second, you know, linebacker pass rusher, um, you know, role in that defense. So, so what happened? Guys were just running open, and yes. that's how. And that's really how you get six receivers. I, I think it was six receivers had a reception of at least twenty yards, um, and I think it was seven total passes that were over 20 yards for, for Joe Burrow. And, and, you know, it makes sense in hindsight that those things only happen when guys are wide open from the start and he's able to get the ball out to them um, and, and avoid that pass rush. And uh, so I think the Bengals did a really good job of mitigating something that has improved for the Steelers. Now that TJ Watt is back, but they did a better job of exposing those guys on the back end. and, And it was their worst coverage grade of the season. Um, against the Bengals. So, you know, it's not all the same. And, and, you know, just because you fix one issue by bringing TJ Watt back doesn't mean that other issues aren't going to pop up other places. And I think that's what we
1: saw on Sunday. And I think that was also the disappointment, because I agree with that assessment entirely. They absolutely found the right guys. And one thing that the Steelers talked about after the game was they were motioning, the Bengals were motioning T. Higgins all over the field. Why? Because the Steelers knew that that was their top target, and they were trying to get Minka Fitzpatrick on whatever side of the field that he was on. They wanted Minka Fitzpatrick over the top there, and they were using that to kind of let the Steelers tip their defense off so that Joe Burrow could figure out, where he was attacking and he did a very good job at, at, at that in this game that's why samaji parin has three touchdowns you know touchdown receptions um but you know but you know i, I look at that that game plan and one thing the steelers have done very well this year and one reason that mike tomlin talked about like they they went and they made sure they brought back a keller with their spoon they made sure that again Sutton was still in the fold they made sure they got levi wallace they wanted veteran cornerbacks who could just be in position a lot and and understand where they were supposed to be and there have been times this year where that's certainly worked Buccaneers are an example the Dolphins game is an example they've they've been smart heck the first Bengals game was an example they were bracketing guys perfectly they were taking away where um uh, you know where the uh, you know where the, where the Bengals were wanting to go. I mean, it wasn't just a fluke in, in that game. They had a great defensive game plan. The Bengals just countered it this time, and the Steelers recovered for moments in this game because the defense did give the the, the team an opportunity to win this um, several times. But you know, ultimately the Bengals won out. They kept getting possessions, and eventually they they cracked the Steelers' code. But I think this is also part of the you know it's 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 cool to do that. And it's cool to have a game plan that helps those veterans do that. But the Steelers need prime cover guys. And I'm not saying, you know, Deion, like literally prime. I'm not saying like, you know, like, uh, like Deion Sanders level guys. But they need guys who can win on islands consistently. You know, like Ike Taylor could take away a, a, a wide receiver. I mean, he like, specifically the Bengals. He owned Chad Johnson for his entire career. Ocho Cinco and everything that he wants that he's ever wants to make him a Hall of Famer ike taylor was you know never let him go off against this against them and that was something the steelers could could do in the late 2000s we'll say ike's gonna have an island over here the townsend and brian mcfadden are gonna be good enough here in these spots and we can scheme with them and you also have troy Polamalu to take away guys so you only had the game plan for really scheming up concepts to take away certain guys because you could just allow p- player matchups to win in certain situations and it's one thing. It's, it's cool to do it sometimes, but you can't do that every week. That's in football. You know, I think you're fortunate to do it most weeks, but doing it every week becomes a more challenge when you don't have those top guys that are spread throughout your defense.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'll use a more, you know, maybe recent example of, I think you want to get to the point that you can play defense like Pitt does. Um, And, and, you know, that's the whole Pat Narduzzi concept, right? Is, is throw pressure and, and let your guys on the back end make plays for you. And, you know, Pitt doesn't have like massive all Americans back there. They just have competent guys who can, right. uh you know, knock passes away. I think part of the, the Steelers problem um is the guys that they've been going up against, Um, you know, AJ Brown in Philadelphia, Stephon Diggs, um, T Higgins, um, Jamar Chase earlier in the season. They faced a lot of really good receivers. Yes. And so that's exposed them to some degree. You, you look at the Saints game. I was really impressed with the way the secondary played in the Saints game. They were, knocking away a lot of passes. They were making those plays, you know, when they were on islands because they were facing, you know, the quality of receiver where they were more competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think you're right. You you need to get guys who can make those plays against the best receivers. And it it doesn't necessarily have to be a pro bowl guy, but they got to be better than what the Steelers have because they're getting exposed by good receivers right now. And I think that's the core of the issue is that, yeah, you can get away with it against the saints. You can get away with it. Against a banged, banged up Tampa Bay team, um, you can't as much against some of these better teams on their schedule. And I think you know maybe next year you don't see as many of them, right? Because you're going to have a last place schedule instead of a first place schedule or uh, whatever whatever place they finished in the division last year. I think that's going to make a difference. Um, and, and so maybe you get a little you know help from that. But I, I think the concept remains the same: of you've got to be able to, if not shut these guys down, slow them down. Right, and not just let them shred you um, the way some of these guys have. So, th- so that's what I'm looking at is how can you get better there, and, and maybe play defense a little more like Pitt does than than um, you know, just to use an example that people
1: are familiar with. <laughs> Never, I thought that someone to say the Steelers should play more like Pitt. I, I, we, have, <laughs> we have a new done here okay. on the North- <laughs> podcast, but but I, I get what you're saying there. I also feel like part of what the Steelers Steelers have done in this situation because, like, like Chris Olave, for example. They made him irrelevant in that game. And they they did a great job of doing that. And Chris Olave, I think, has a real future in the league. I mean, just la- just just this week, this past weekend, he was he was up against Jalen Ramsey, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He toasted Jalen Ramsey and like that's I think that they get merit for that they get merit for doing that but I think a lot of times when they do that it's not because Levi Wallace just lined up with him or just I'm gonna own you today it's because Levi Wallace lined up with him and he knew hey Terrell Evans has my back on this play so I'm gonna take away inside leverage here I'm gonna take away outside leverage and pass him off to this guy and the passing window for this guy for this target is gonna be really tight so Andy Dalton's gonna have to be perfect and in the first game against Joe Burrow They did that as well. There were a lot of times he was trying to fit passes into Tyler Boyd, fit passes into T Higgins and fit passes into Jamar Chase. And the Steelers were ready for a lot of them and allowed these guys as veterans per the game plan that I think that they had been for much of this season to say, Hey, you're going to be in position. We're not expecting you to shut down Jamar Chase. We're just expecting you to create tight passing windows. And when Joe Burrow's not perfect, take advantage of it. They did in the first game, but they didn't create those tight passing windows enough in this second game when they did, they found success. They were able to get stops. They got, th- they got two turnovers. Those are, I think those are the moments where you saw the Steelers, you know, the, the, the game plan coming to fruition, but I think it's all, it's just tough to do that every single week with, with, with these guys. And, um, and, and I think that's just what came back to bite them. Now I am interested in seeing this and this will go into our, our next topic that we get into. How does that play out against the rest of their opponents this year? When you look at uh, the rest of their schedule, because you know, you go up against the Colts, you know, they have – I think they have some talented guys, you know, like like Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce. I like them as, as players, but I think they have a long way to go for the Colts. Um, You got the Falcons. Their one big receiver was Kyle Pitts at the tight end. He's gone for the season. The Ravens is really Mark Andrews. The Panthers, their passing game isn't good enough for DJ Moore to get off. The Raiders do have Devontae Adams, but they haven't been too great, you know, as, as far as throwing the ball. And then you have the Browns with Amari Cooper. Th- this may be an opportunity in the second half run to see, hey – how do these guys play? Also, if William Jackson the comes back over in the next few weeks, does he get some? Does he help at all in this equation? But I do think they need to find answers because you need role players to to play in the secondary well, but you also need to have more guys who can be those lockdown, put them on an island, and let them work kind of guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this should be. I mean, we should be looking at the rest of the season as a trial for that, right? Like, who are yeah. the guys who who can do what the Steelers need them to do, and who aren't. Um, Because you're not, I don't, you know, I don't think you're contractually married to these guys in a super significant way. Um, You know, you might have to take some cap hits in some circumstances, but if they're not, you know, if they're not living up to, you know, what you need from them, you can move on and and try some different things. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see how the rest of the season goes and and how that positions them, I think, especially for the draft, right? Because, you know, what, what we need to identify down the stretch here is this team has a lot of needs. What are the biggest ones, and what are the ones you can address with with the draft position? Um, and so the secondary is just part of that, but I think it is becoming increasingly a bigger one. Um, you know, given that you've seen growth kind of in that front seven this year, right? Um, like what we like we were talking about, they're better against the run this this season than they've been. Um, they're they they've got guys who can get pressure. Um, Devin Bush has gotten better, right? And I don't know if he's going to be around next year, but but they've they've made growth up front to the extent that maybe you're looking at the secondary more than you would have been going into the season.
1: I agree with that assessment, but we'll talk about where they'll be in the draft. Like you said, you tease that very well. So the kudos to you, Adam Bittner for the, the teeth, the next step, but we're going to talk about that draft position where they might, where they are now, where they might end up. We'll do that in just a bit here on the North Shore drive podcast. But first we got to talk to you guys about yinzers in the Berg. So yinzers, listen up. The Steelers campaign is off and running so you can show your support for your black and gold, but also the penguins pit pirates, anything Pittsburgh sports, We've got here at Yinzer's in the Burg. And there's two legendary shops in the strip district that you can visit at any point in time, go in, check out all their Pittsburgh sports apparel accessories. And they have a ton of things that you, that you can buy. But if you're not in Pittsburgh or you can't get to the strip district right now, just go to yinzerspgh.com. They have an awesome website. That's always releasing new, new stuff, new merchandise. that allow you to say, "Oh, if TJ Watt, my favorite player, Are you a big Kenny Pickett fan, big Najee Harris fan, all those type of guys, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, who just played his, his thousandth game with the Penguins. All those guys, you can get stuff on them at Yinzers in the Berg, the best place to get all your Pittsburgh sports apparel accessories and much, much more. So again, go to YinzersPGH.com or their, or their stores in the Strip District to get all your Pittsburgh sports apparel from Yinzers in the Berg. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Adam Bittner. We're from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and we're talking about – we're going to talk a little bit about the future now with the Steelers because we'll we'll break down Colts Steelers later this week, but – Right now, if the season were to end today with the Steelers having a 3-7 and record, they would have the eighth overall pick in the NFL draft right now. That positions them right between the Browns and the Jaguars, and really that's the Texans and the Jaguars because the Texans have the Browns' first-round pick. But the interesting part of this is that they would also have the 34th pick of the NFL draft because they got the Bears pick, and the Bears right now are the third overall pick of the draft because of their record. Um, but with them trading to the Steelers and the Dolphins, who would right now have the 29th overall pick because the Dolphins are removed from the first round because of their penalty that they have from the NFL, that, that 35th pick turns into the 34th pick. So you have that. And then you would, the the Steelers would typically, I believe have the 40th pick after that, if if they're still in the eighth position, uh, but they now have the 39th. So you have, you have three top 40 picks, um, and two picks in the, you know, in the, in the top 30, 35, you could even, and that also could get, could get even better because if the bears keep losing, Justin field took an injury um they, they could, they could jump up a position. I don't think that they'll catch up to the Texans. I think that the, the Texans is just going to end up as the number one overall seed, but Adam, you look at this draft position. Is this where the Steelers finished? Do you think that they stay at the eighth spot? Because with all the bad teams that are lined up, we could, we've we talked about how they could beat teams like the Colts, like the Panthers, like the Falcons. They could win some games there, and that might put them out of this position and put them back to, like, right now, the Colts and the Falcons, they are 14 and 15. Uh, the, you know, the Jets, they're around 18. I, I could see them actually dropping back there, and that would take them out of the conversation with, I think, some of the, the top offensive tackles and defensive linemen and maybe even some of the top corners in this draft class.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the big questions is is how seriously are the Steelers going to compete in these games down the stretch? Um, you know, by some metrics, they don't don't have a tough schedule because they've got some teams that aren't great on the schedule, but they also got two games against the Ravens, um, you know, and they got a- another game against Cleveland, which beat them, um, and it pr- proved that it could handle the Steelers. So, um, you know, I-, I think we can imagine a world where they beat all of these teams, or other than the Ravens, maybe. Um but I don't think that they are going to beat them all. I think I think we're talking about maybe, yeah. I think we're talking about maybe two to three more wins here. And I don't know that that's really going to change things dramatically um, because so, uh, there's a, a lot of these teams the Steelers are facing that we're talking about that are, are around them are kind of in the same position of they can beat people too, and they probably will. There's no like there, there's not a ton of like absolutely dreadful teams this season where you can't imagine them winning on any given Sunday. Um, so, you know, I think they're probably going to level out right around where they are, maybe a pick, a pick or two above a pick or two below. Um, you know, because the, there's other cities where people are talking about the Steelers the same way we're talking about the Falcons, right. well, the Panthers. And, and so I just think that those things are going to level out
1: over time. That'll be interesting to see too, because like the Steelers, when they've had, when they've had TJ Watt, this is one of the few losses they've had with TJ Watt playing in the majority of the game over the last two years. And you look at these games and I get, again, like I give them the puncher's chance. Like, I, I think they're, I think they're on the same level. Like a lot of these teams that are looking at them, like the Colts and the Falcons and the Panthers and the Raiders, I think they're all kind of in the similar similar nature as the Steelers and I think the biggest reason is if the, if TJ Watt plays in these earlier games we're looking at the Steelers differently because they beat the Browns, they beat the Jets, they beat the Patriots. I think they beat the Dolphins. Uh they don't beat they don't come close to beating the Bills or the Eagles and they and obviously they still lost to the Bengals, but I think they at least, they're at least in, in 500 territory, maybe even a little bit better with 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 TJ Watt in a lot of, in a lot of those games um you know because again they were the, all those games came down to the, the final minutes there and a couple plays here and there which we've seen tj white can provide put him there and i think it'll be interesting to see how healthy they stay down the stretch because that's the other thing if they don't if they take if they take more injuries at this point i think it, it just unra- unravels them but even so you get in that position this is a this is a draft class right now that a lot of people are talking about the defensive front guys and it's funny enough but I think as exciting as it would be for the Steelers to get, you know, a Will Anderson and a Jalen Carter. And I think Jalen Carter would absolutely be, you know, a, a great addition to what they need for the future, as far as a, a, a new type Cam Hayward type, who can just eat people up in, in the middle, middle of the offensive line. But there's also guys out there like Peter Skaronsky, the Northwestern offensive tackle, um, you know, who, who's, uh, who's out there. I think that there's guys that you need, you need to get better on the offensive line, but like we all said, they need to get better at cornerback and, I just I'm not so sure where exactly in the draft that they that, that they're if if they're if they finish at eighth I think they could definitely get any of any of those guys but if they fall back to say 12th 13th 14th or 15th then you start kind of getting back into the conversation of like where they where they were when they drafted Ryan Shazier and uh uh what was it uh, Jamar Jones and uh and then uh, uh Bud Dupree and those type of guys and that worked out for some of those picks but it's not the surefire top ten pick that people depend upon a lot.
2: Yeah, and I think an important point worth making is that they're they're going to have some money to spend, and that it doesn't all have to come from the draft. And then the the question is, you know, where do you want to see them spend versus where do you, where, where do you want to see them draft, and where where can you get the most out of your draft capital um, compared to your money? Because they're they're both resources. Sometimes you use money, sometimes you use draft capital. Um, just given their history and the way that they've seemed to want to do things over the last handful of years, pretty much since the Artie Burns debacle you'd think that they might be willing to spend some money on you know a, a legit corner um, mm-hmm. they even like kind of hinted at that with the the moves that they've been making right signing Levi Wallace in the offseason yeah um, trading for William Jackson they're they're trying to get guys who they can rehab on the cheap and, and turn them into something I think Akela Witherspoon probably falls into that category as well um, but I think what we're seeing now is that it's it's easier said than done to to You know, spend a little bit of money and hope that it pays off in a big way, as as opposed to you know going the Joe Hayden route and having you know that number one guy who you're you're paying a significant contract to, but that you're getting you know known production levels. So I I think that's corners probably the place that I'm looking for them because they have too many needs to address with those three picks. I think corners the most logical place to spend because there are more um you know linemen that you can you can attack that early you know in, in, within the 40 picks you can get some pretty useful linemen and start to address those issues in a meaningful
1: way no i i i i, I agree with, i agree with that assessment too because when you're looking at those picks you're also trying to isolate um you know where you, you want you want to hit on hit on certain things you want to be able to get guys and like in in the and again they have the, if if we're talking three top 40 picks offensive linemen who would fall into that like i said peter Skaronsky. Skaronsky, kind of uh, right now i think a lot of people look at him as one of the top offensive tackles, maybe the top of offensive tackles uh of of this class you have also have paris johnson from ohio state broderick jones from georgia you're gonna have Os- osiris torrance a guard from, from florida because it's not just offensive tackles i think they also you know they need they need a guard someone in the interior or even a center who can become your long-term like you you know Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, Marcus Gilbert type of guys. Um, and you can, you can hit in those first, in those first areas. And I, I certainly think that that's absolutely part of needs to be part of the equation here that the Steelers are, are considering. So, i'd be intrigued to see where where the commitment comes but also like you said you know before before the draft comes free agency you know some of the guys that are cornerback free agents next year james bradbury you know from the eagles but he's 30 years old Do you commit to a a 30 year old guys who are kind of in that 27 28 year old range funny enough uh cam sutton who i actually think they do they should keep around because i think that he's a a very good number two corner um but, you know, there's other guys that have that have been decent but haven't worked out a whole, like Byron Murphy with the Cardinals, Rocky Sin with the Raiders. Those guys are going to be floating around, and it always changes up, too, because guys get cut, you know, by teams like, you saw like how Miles Jack, Miles Jack got cut from the Jaguars. There's going to be a couple players like that who are good players, but teams just can't afford their contract, and they're in rebuilding years, so they just got to dump them, and then the Steelers need to be aggressive in those times to go get those guys, but uh, I do think it'll be interesting. Do they commit to uh, you know to to a free agency plan at cornerback? Because I also think part of the problem is that they just haven't been in position to get cornerbacks that were top tier. You know, Artie Burns was was a was was a pick done because William Jackson wasn't available to them. You know, and and now they they've gotten him as as a veteran. But you know, it, it, does the secondary look different over the years if William Jackson the third is their pick? Because he was he's not a, he wasn't a shutdown corner, but he was a lot better of a corner than Artie Burns was for the Steelers. I think it, it'll be really interesting to see how who's available in free agency actually opens up and how that impacts the Steelers' upcoming draft strategy because there also could be good offensive linemen that that, that free up in the in the free agency.
2: Yeah, and you know, as we saw this this off season, it, it doesn't preclude, you know making making a free agent signing doesn't preclude you from you know drafting a guy. So maybe they'll say, hey, we want two corners and, and we're really going to fix this part of our defense. Um, you know, and, and kind of set it up for the long, the long run. I mean, they have options and and that's a, that's a good thing to have. And I think that's what helps, you know, it really helps to trade Chase Claypool so that we can have these conversations. And, and he's not, I talked about this on the, um, the Sunday video I talked about, I did another appearance. Chase Claypool has five catches for 32 yards since the trade in three games. Um, You know, and uh, there was a lot of like conversation about is Chase Claypool, You know, are they they giving up a ton of talent and they just didn't know how to use them? I think we're seeing that that is is possibly not the case because it seems like the Bears don't know how to use them either. And now the Steelers have their pick, and I think that that's – that that's a really good good thing for us to be talking about the you know what what's going to
1: happen this off season. The Steelers, I I still couldn't believe that people were asking me will they get a second. And I was like, who's going to offer a second for Chase Claypool? Because because as soon as that trade was made, I'm like that he's not going to light it up with Justin Fields. Justin feels like Cam Newton right now, and he's still figuring out that offense. He's going to feed his tight end a bunch. He's going to help his running back a bunch, and he's going to run a lot, but. A Chase Claypool type. I was like, okay. And you're seeing it with the Bears. And now, they're, now they're, they have Chase Claypool. And the other thing is Chase Claypool's contract is up at, after next year. So they're going to have to pay him soon or let him walk for ultimately, what they gave up was a second round pick. The Steelers house that, that trade, I still don't understand how the Bears did it. And apparently that the Packers were in on this as well for a second round pick. But all that being said, i do think it's going to be very interesting to see how this how this plays out do the Steelers go on you know have a, have a, a better final seven games to the season that they had the first 10. if they do where do they finish and we'll keep an eye on that to see where their draft position is but before we do all that we got to get through the rest of the season brian back and i will break down steelers colts later this week and we hope that everyone has a happy thanksgiving um uh, thanks again, Adam, for, for joining for, for joining me here on the North Shore Drive podcast. We'll be back on Friday after the holiday. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description.